Was war denn? Hello, Radioland. It's a late night in the late summer, and we're keeping summer alive for you here on the friendly ghost light airwaves. Maybe your mind is turning to September already. Maybe it's back to work, or maybe the summer job is winding up and pretty soon it's back to school. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Summer's too short to abandon quite yet. Hey, it's the weekend. And if you're tuning us in on a Monday morning or if you've got us on in the background while you balance the books or write those press releases or sling burgers on a workaday Wednesday, that should work too. Because you've got your transistor tuned to Soul Food Ghost Light, the summer edition where the barbecue, the hammock, and the summer stars are always close at hand. There are chicks just right for some kissing. And I mean to kiss me a few Oh, those chicks don't know what they're missing Satchmo's got a lot of living to do And there's wine already for tasting And there's Cadillacs all shiny and new Gotta move Cause time is a-wasting That's such a lot of living to do That's music to play Place to go People to see Everything For you and me Life's a ball if only you know it And it's all Just waiting for you You're alive So come on and show it There's such a lot Of living to do record collection that was Louis Armstrong this is Louis with a lot of living to do from the album Hello Dolly which came out at the start of my seventh summer halfway through June it usurped the Beatles second album in the number one slot on the Billboard charts before being shouldered aside in turn by the Beatles Hard Day's Night in late July but Armstrong's comeback album stayed on the Billboard album charts for 74 weeks. 74. Everybody had a copy of that record. At least everybody that my parents knew. And I played side one over and over and over again. I guess side two wasn't nearly as good. Not to a seven-year-old's discerning ears. Now, last week, Susan Alexander read three of her poems that comprised something of a mini-memoir of summer jobs in the Okanagan. 
sorting cherries, cleaning motel rooms, and working at the Avalon, a fast food joint on Highway 3. Here's another poet and another memory. Only you can do First job in tight black shorts and a white bowling shirt, red lipstick and bouncing ponytail. I present each overflowing tray as if it were a banquet. I'm 16 and college bound. This job's temporary as the summer sun, but right now it's the boundaries of my life. After the first few nights of mixed orders and missing cars, the work goes easily. I take out the silver trays and hook them to the windows, inhale the mingled smells of seared meat patties, salty ketchup, rich, sweet malteds. The lure of grease drifts through the thick night air. And it's always summer at Patty's Charcoal Drive-In. Carloads of blonde and tan girls pull up next to red convertibles, boys in black t-shirts and slick hair. Everyone knows what they want, and I wait on them, hoping for tips. Loose pieces of silver flung carelessly as the stars. Doo-wop music streams from the jukebox, and each night repeats itself, faithful as a steady date. Towards 10 p.m., traffic dwindles. We police the lot, pick up wrappers. The dark pours down, sticky as coke. But the light from the kitchen gleams like a beacon. A breeze comes up chasing papers in the far corners of the darkened lot, as if suddenly a cold wind had started to blow straight at me from the future. I read that in a Doris Lessing book. But right now, purse fat with tips, the moon sitting like a cheeseburger on a flat black grill, this is enough. Your order, please. It's always summer at Patty's Charcoal Drive-In. That poem is by Barbara Crooker, talking about being 16 and college-bound. She was born in November 1945, just after the war was over. So she was hooking silver trays to the windows of hot rods in the summer of 1962. Where were you in 62? And he wants me to play the next song for a blonde young lady in a Thunderbird. A white T-bird, you understand? Now, my friend's name is Kurt, and he wants to talk to you out there, babe. So you meet him at Burger City, or you can phone Diamond 3132. Now, he's a friend of mine, you hear? And little girl, you better call him or the Wolfman gonna get you.
precious thing. I'll keep the vampires away, you understand? Booker T and the MGs with Green Onions hit the charts at number 90 on August 11, 1962. Three weeks later, on the fateful night when Kurt Anderson had to decide whether to get on a plane the next day and leave for college, Green Onions had reached number 48, a star performer on the Billboard Hot 100. American Graffiti. You know, I had kind of filed that movie under commercial 70s flicks, but with the mega-selling soundtrack album and the star-studded cast and cashing in on the rock and roll nostalgia craze and all, and I didn't give it too much thought. But when I read Barbara Crooker's poem and did the math and figured out that was all happening in 1962, I went back and watched some of that movie again, and you know what? That's a fine movie. I remember being shocked when I finally watched Saturday Night Fever a few years ago, getting over my college contempt for disco. But it turns out that was a seriously gritty little film. Again, I was judging the movie by its record cover. Now, American Graffiti isn't what I would call gritty, but George Lucas's first commercial flick had real heart. The low budget didn't hurt either. It was a personal film, a tribute to his high school years in California's Central Valley, where my daughter lives nowadays. The film's working title was Another Quiet Night in Modesto, though the film was shot in San Rafael and Petaluma. Lucas said that each of the central characters was a version of himself at different times in his life. Write what you know, huh? American Graffiti premiered at the Locarno Film Festival and was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. In 1995, it was added to the National Film Registry as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Not bad for a low-budget commercial 70s flick. George Lucas built the screenplay around his vintage record collection with a different song inspiring each scene. I bought a very well-used copy of the soundtrack double album, 41 original hits from the soundtrack of American Graffiti, for a few bucks in the cheap bin at a used record store. With its interlaced storylines, Lucas wrestled to find the shape of the film until sound editor Walter Murch, a hero of mine, can you believe it, a movie editor as a personal hero? Well, it was Walter Murch who suggested making the scenes with Wolfman Jack the spine, the through line of the story. And I think that's what gives the movie its mystery, its magic. The icebox just broke down and they're melting all over the place. You want one? No, 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 thanks. Listen, uh... Have a popsicle. Are you the wolfman? <sighs> no, man, I'm not the wolfman. Wait a minute. on tape. <laughs> the man is on tape. Well, uh, where, where is he now? I mean, uh, where does he work? The wolf man is everywhere. Well, I gotta give him this note. Can I wig on your wolf man? 
Here, let me see the note. Hell, that's just a dedication, man. What I can do is I relay it. It'll be on tomorrow or Tuesday. No, no, no. See, this is very important. You see, I may be leaving town tomorrow, and it's very important that I... Damn it, that I reach this girl right now. You don't know whether you're going to leave town or not? Well, I'm supposed to go to college back east tomorrow. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know. Wait a minute. Have a popsicle. <laughs> Have a pop... No. Huh? No, thanks. Sit down a minute. It's early in the morning. Damn. I can't talk for the wolf man, but I can tell you one thing. If the Wolfman was here, he'd say, get your ass in gear. The Wolfman comes in here occasionally, bringing tapes, you know, to check up on me and whatnot. Yeah. And the places he talks about that he's been, the things he's seen. And there's a great, big, beautiful world out there. And here I sit, sucking on popsicles. Wanting to leave? I'm not a young man anymore. And the Wolfman gave me my start in the business, and I like it. I tell you what, if I can possibly do it tonight, I'll try to relay this dedication in and get it on the air for you later on. That would be terrific. Really. Thanks. Yes, man. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Really. I appreciate it. Sticky little mothers, ain't they? They really, <laughs> six or seven of them, right? I know, I got I got a whole whole refrigerator full. Thanks a lot. See you later. Appreciate it. <laughs> Rock on, baby, we gonna do it right here. Rock and roll yourself to death. Oh, mercy, give me some more. And we're taking requests tonight on Ghostlight. Tonight, summer faves from the May family, which seems kind of ironic in August. But spring, summer, fall, or winter, that familial unit knows how to put a playlist together. Kick things off for us here, Peter May, who is reputed to have caught a home run ball hit by the mighty Babe Ruth himself. What you can find If a daddy's rich Take her out for a meal If a daddy's poor Just do what you feel Speed along the lane You can turn or return to 25 When the sun goes down You can make it, make it good And only buy We love people We love daddy, we love mean We love everybody But we do as we please When the weather's fine We go fishing or go sailing in the sea philosophy Sing along with us dee 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 da 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 yeah we're happy da 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 dee da dee da 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 Oh, 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 oh,
and see what you can find. If a daddy's rich, take her out for a meal. If a daddy's poor, just do what you feel. Speed along the lane, you can turn or return to 25. When the sun goes down, you can make it, make it good and only fine. When I get people, when I daddy, when I mean, we love everybody, but we do as we please. When the Sailing in the sea We're always happy Last we're living here That's our philosophy Sing along with us Dee 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 Da 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 Yeah we're happy happy Da 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 Dee da da dee da 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 One, two, three, uh-huh Sunshine, Michael Franti and Spearhead from the summer of 2010, keeping summer alive here in 2021. Says summer song specialist Laura May, it's danceable and it makes me want to roll my window down and put my hand outside. Oh yeah, we tried that here at the studio and um, it just, you know, not much happened. I think you have to be in a car 
for that to work well. Anyhow, thanks, Laura. That tune is new to me, and it is now added to my permanent personal playlist, Oh Summer. Produced by reggae legend Sly Dunbar and Robbie Shakespeare. You know, five years ago, I got pretty fascinated by the summer music charts from 50 years before. Tracked the top 40 tunes of 1966 week by week through the summer. One song really caught my attention, and it happens to be one of Jim May's picks for the family playlist. See You in September is one of those classic songs about a boy and a girl going their separate ways at the start of the summer holidays, pledging their love for the long two-month separation. There's always that wistful undertone. What if she meets somebody else? What if something happens to him? I found a YouTube of Patterson, New Jersey's finest, The Happenings, doing a performance for the TV show Where the Action Is. Suits and ties like four young Kennedys, snapping their fingers in low-grade black and white on the shores of Lake Colhoun. Then I read the comments, all the expected nostalgia, great song from a classic time, all caps, or how I miss this wonderful time, or they say heaven is the past, but also posts like this. I kissed my girlfriend goodbye in September and headed off to Vietnam. Or this one by Joel 1948. I was 19, she was 17, and I was on my way to Vietnam. I believed I would never live to see my 21st birthday, so I turned and walked away from her. Another guy named Joe writes, I left for the Marine Corps in July 1970. When I got to my permanent duty station, I got a Dear John letter. No kiss for me in September. Or this from June ABC. Such a hard time. Our brothers, lovers, so many who suffered, some not returning. Thank you for braving that. My brother-in-law, a career Marine, did two tours, and when he came back the second time, was never the same. Saying what he saw turned him from war. He ended his military career. So now I hear this song through the ears of a boy in a foxhole somewhere in Vietnam, or his girl back home. And I thought it was poignant before. I'm going to follow this with a bit of Canadian content. Karen's choice for the May playlist of August. How I wish I could have seen Lighthouse perform live with that horn section. Then we'll wrap up the request part of tonight's show with one more summer suggestion from the Potter Familius. Never thought of this as a summer song, but now that Jim mentions it, isn't this the... Uh, British counterpart to the American Summer Separation song? Tomorrow I'll miss you. Remember, I'll always be true. And then while I'm away, I'll ride home every day. But first, the happenings. I'll be alone each and every night. While you're away, don't forget to write. Bye at the stage. Bye, baby, goodbye. Summer, baby. 
myself I should I work so hard Sit and dream about the days to come Half a dress just soaking up the sun Sitting here I hope I don't get fried Two years ago you know I almost died And yet there's nothing better for your soul Than lying in the sun and listen to rock and roll in the State Fair. The State Fair is a ritual carnival marking the end of summer in gardens and apple orchards and the start of school and higher algebra and the imposition of strict rules and what we in the North call the long dark time. Like gardening, the fair doesn't change all that much. The big wheel whirls and the girls squeal and the bratwursts cook on the little steel rollers and the boys slouch around and keep checking their hair. It is not the world's Columbian Exposition, the Aquarian Exposition, the great exhibition of the works of industry of all nations, the Exposition Universelle, the Gathering of the Tribes, or the Aspen Institute. It's just us taking a break from digging potatoes. The Midwest is State Fair Central. And it thrives here because we are the breadbasket of America. Hog butcher, machine maker, stacker of particle board, player with chainsaws, 
land of the big haunches. And also because Midwesterners are insular, industrious, abstemious, introspective people, skittish about body contact, and a state fair is liberation from all of that. A plunge into the pool of self-indulgence, starting with the thick pork chop hot off the grill and served on a stick with a band of crisp brown fat along one side. Fat is not good for you. You eat the pork chop fat and all, and your child eats her pork chop, and then you score a giant vanilla shake from the dairy bar to cushion the fall of a bag full of tiny donuts. Now you're warmed up and ready to move on to the corn dog course. The ten chief joys of the State Fair are number one, to eat food with your two hands. Number two, to feel extreme centrifugal force reshaping your face and jowls as you are flung or whirled turbulently and you experience that intense joyfulness that is indistinguishable from anguish. Or, as you get older, to observe other persons in extreme centrifugal situations. Number three, to mingle, merge, mill, jostle gently and flock together with throngs, swarms, mobs, and multitudes of persons slight or hefty, punky or preppy, young or ancient, wandering through the hubbub and amplified resmataz and raw neon and clouds of wiener steam in search of some elusive thing nobody is exactly sure what. Number four. To witness the stupidity of others, their gluttony and low-grade obsessions, their poor manners and slack-jawed, mouth-breathing, pop-eyed yahoo-tude, and feel rather sophisticated by comparison. Number five, to see the art of salesmanship, of barking, hustling, touting, and see how effectively it works on others, and not on you. To see designer chickens, the largest swine, teams of mighty draft horses, llamas, rare breeds of geese, geckos, poisonous snakes, a two-headed calf, a 650-pound man, and whatever else appeals to the keen, inquiring mind. Number seven, to watch the judging of livestock. Number eight, to observe entertainers attempt to engage a crowd that is moving laterally. Number nine, to sit down and rest amid the turmoil and reconsider the meaning of life. 10. To turn away from food and amusement and crass pleasure and to resolve to live on a higher plane from now on. Of the ten joys, the one that we Midwesterners are loath to cop to is number three, the mingling and jostling, a pleasure that Google and Facebook can't provide. American life tends more and more to put you in front of a computer screen in a cubicle, then into a car and head you toward home in the suburbs where you drive directly into the garage and step into your kitchen without brushing elbows with anybody. People seem to want this as opposed to urban tumult and squalor. But we have needs we can't admit. And one is to be in a scrum of thinly clad corpulence, milling in brilliant sun in front of the deep-fried ice cream stand and feel the brush of wings, hip bumps, hands touching your arm. Oh, excuse me. The heat of humanity with its many smells, citrus deodorant, sweat and musk, bouquet of beer, hair oil, stale cigar, methane, the solid, big rump bodies of broigle peasants all around you like dogs in a pack, and you, yes, elegant you, of the refined taste and the commitment to the arts are one of these dogs. All your life you dreamed of attaining swanhood or equinity, but your fellow dogs know better. They sniff you and turn away satisfied. is gone the next day. The rides disassembled, the concessions boarded up, 
the streets swept clean. Dry leaves blow across the racing oval. Brown squirrels den up in the ticket booths. The midway marquee sways in the wind. You drive past the fairgrounds a few days later on your way to work. It looks like the encampment of an invading army that got what booty it wanted and went home. And now you are yourself again. Ambitious, disciplined, frugal, walking briskly, head held high. And nobody would ever associate you with that shameless person stuffing his face with bratwurst and kraut, mustard on his upper lip, and a half-eaten, deep-fried Snickers in his other hand. That was not the real you. This is. This soldier of the simple declarative sentence. You have no need for cheap glitter and pig fat and pointless twirling. You have work to do. Onward. Soy el terror. Se acaba. El M&M. 
Mambo Yo-Yo by Ricardo Lembo and Makina Loca. From one of those great Putamayo world music CDs you used to find in special displays in whole earth flavored gift shops. This one called Afro-Latino. Ricardo Lembo was born in the Congo, now lives in Los Angeles. Hope everybody was up dancing. Even you Minnesotans. Before that, Garrison Keillor's ruminations on state fairs with musical accompaniment on the 52-key Verbeek Fairground Organ. And I would be remiss if I were not at some point to mention that the reminiscence about Patty's charcoal drive-in was read by Rebecca DeBoer. Thanks, Rebecca. The world lost a great drummer this week. Charles Robert Watts began collecting jazz records before he was a teenager listening to 78s with his neighborhood pal Dave Green in the early 1950s. Green says, Charlie had more records than I did. We used to go to Charlie's bedroom and just get these records out. Jelly Roll Morton and Charlie Parker. He had that one with Monk and the Johnny Dodge Trio. Around the age of 13, Green took up the bass and Watts tried his hand at the banjo. I bought a banjo and I didn't like the dots on the neck. So I took the neck off and at the same time I heard a drummer called Chico Hamilton who played with Jerry Mulligan and I wanted to play like that with brushes. I didn't have a snare drum so I put the banjo head on a stand. His parents gave him his first drum kit in 1955 and he practiced drumming along with jazz records he collected. Green and Watts began their professional careers playing in a Middlesex jazz combo, the Joe Jones All-Stars, from 1958 to 1959. A regular gigging jazz musician, Watts was not above taking on side projects in other styles. In February 1963, he made his first public appearance with a blues outfit at the Ealing Jazz Club, an unpaid side project that continued off and on for several decades and eventually became a professional proposition. Watts says, They called it rhythm and blues. When they asked me to play, I didn't know what that was. I thought it meant Charlie Parker played slow. Over the following years, other Watts projects included a boogie-woogie band called Rocket 88, a touring big band with saxophonist Courtney Pine, Appearances with the Charlie Watts Tentat at Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club in London, Watts at Scott's, and a collaboration with Jim Keltner featuring tributes to jazz drumming legends Elvin Jones, Max Roach, and Roy Haynes. In the 90s, the Charlie Watts Quintet recorded several collections of jazz standards from the Great American Songbook and a Charlie Parker tribute album. Here's their rendition of Charlie Parker's Relaxin' at Camarillo. We'll follow that up with his jazz treatment of one of the better-known songs by that British blues revival band he first toured with in the mid-1960s.
That was jazz drummer Charlie Watts with the Danish radio big band and their arrangement of a song called Paint It Black. You may have heard that one before. The original was recorded by one of Watts's side projects, the cleverly named blues revival band The Rolling Stones. Before that, we heard Charlie Watts' quintet playing Relaxing at Camarillo from their album A Tribute to Charlie Parker with Strings. Relaxing at Camarillo. You know, I can't hear that tune without thinking back to my first year at CalArts studying acting. Carol took a job teaching a special needs class at the elementary school there in Valencia, and it was more than a handful. Like Charlie Parker, one of the boys had spent time in the Camarillo State Mental Hospital for murder, unlike Charlie Parker, who spent time relaxing there due to his heroin addiction. Unlike Charlie Watts, the Rolling Stones' least party-prone member, who never killed anybody either. We'll close tonight's show with the Thelonious Monk Septet. As my friend Tim Dixon would say, Good night, Mr. Watts.